Christ's command to his followers before his ascension to heaven was for them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our Lord did not intend for the good news of his death and resurrection to stay local, but instead it was to be taken globally. In this third section of Acts, the adventure continues as the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. Let's join Scott Pauley now for today's study. Chain reactions can be good or they can be bad, depending on what is set in motion. I want you to know that when the Lord begins to work, when the gospel comes in power, it sets in motion a spiritual chain reaction that is in every way good. In every place, with every person where the gospel uh, has its its intended effect and transforms a life, uh, that begins to set in motion so much more for the cause of Christ and eternal things. And so one of the greatest illustrations of that is in the story we are studying in Acts chapter number 16 with this Philippian jailer. You remember his famous question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that what people always ask? What do I do? Give me, give me something to do. I've got good news for you. It's already done. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. He cried from the cross. It is finished. He's done all the hard work. So there's not something for you to do. That's why their answer is not uh, do this and do this and do this and do this. It's very simple. Their answer is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Remember uh, that another New Testament writer said this is the work of God to believe on him. You want to see God work? You want to see all the power of God? Simply believe because it is through faith that God does his great work. And so their answer is good for all of us. Uh, It was not social, not moral, not political. It was entirely spiritual and very personal. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So it begins with a man. Salvation is always personal. It must be individual. You're not a Christian because your parents were Christians. Uh, You're not okay and ready for heaven because you simply sit in a church every Sunday or because you believe there is a God. The devil believes there's a God. He's not going to heaven. So it must become personal. It must become real. And that happens the moment you believe on the Lord Jesus. Not just believing in him, not giving mental assent to him, but believing on him. What is that? To depend on, to to put all of your, your weight upon him, to rest your eternity and the entirety of your sin and your soul on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's God's promise, and thou shalt be saved. And when God says shall, God means shall. So there's certainty, there's confidence. You can be saved and know it. But now that's the man, one man. Don't miss the rest of the verse. Very often this verse gets quoted and we leave off the last three words. He says, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Did you ever notice four different references to his house? Friend, I believe in household salvation. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you first what I don't mean. I don't mean that because one person gets saved, everybody's saved. Or that one person's faith is enough for everyone to go to heaven on. No, no. Each person must believe God for themselves. Remember, it's individual and it's personal. 
I, when I say household salvation, I mean this. When one person comes to faith in the Lord Jesus, it opens that home up to the influence of the gospel because now a real Christian lives there. Someone that knows the Lord. And uh, look, the most excited witnesses are those who have just come to faith in Christ. So when they begin to share the gospel, guess what happens? Spiritual chain reaction. So now it's not just a man, an individual. Now it's a whole family. Would you pray that for your family? If you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, by the way, if you don't, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. Uh, Maybe you'll be the first to be saved in your family. Maybe you'll be the last. Maybe they're praying for you. But you must believe on the Lord individually. And then once you know the Lord as your Savior, claim your family. Like Noah, seeking to get all of his family into the ark of safety. Uh, Pray and seek the salvation of every member of your household. Everybody gets saved the same way. Each believed on Christ. Each were baptized. Each were rejoicing. Uh, So it must be individual. But there can be a beautiful collective work of God and work of grace in a family uh, when the Lord begins to work in that house. It's very similar to the parallel account of Cornelius. Do you remember Cornelius, the first Gentile convert? What did he do? He got all of his family together in the living room and said to the preacher, to Peter, all right, tell us all how to be saved. And the Bible says Cornelius believed in the Lord with all his house. So his entire family came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't give up on your family. In fact, now is the time you ought to intensify your gospel pursuit of those you love. Who are you going to take to heaven with you? Who do you want to be there someday? Time is short, friends. Christ is coming. Any moment uh, may be our last moment to do something for the gospel's sake. And so let the Lord set something in motion in your life and continue it in your family. But it doesn't stop there. Because when God gets a hold of an individual and then God gets a hold of a house, God can impact an entire city. We continue the rest of the chapter, verse 35. When it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they've beaten us openly, uncondemned being Romans, and have cast us into prison. Now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. Everybody remember Lydia early in the chapter, first convert there? And so there's a a church, a primitive church that's been started in Philippi. Uh, Lydia's house is ground zero. It's the headquarters, the launching point, if you will. So they returned there. And when they had seen the brethren, I love that plural. That means now it's not just Lydia and her household. Now there are many who believed on Christ, the brethren. They comforted them and departed. Do you see that in just these few short days, though it didn't look promising at all, Individuals have come to faith in Christ. Families have been reached with the gospel. And now the city is being impacted. There are others coming to know the Lord. Uh, There is a visible presence of Christ in Philippi now. They're meeting in Lydia's living room. It's not a building, but I would argue that a building is never the presence of Christ in a city. It's the body of believers. Uh, is, Is there a presence of Christ in your city? I'm not asking are there steeples. Is there an assembly place? Is there beautiful architecture? No, no. Is Christ there? Is the Lord greatly at work in your Philippi? If he is, he's working in your life, he's working in your family to impact that city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Even the Romans, even those who are non-believers, had to confess something's going on here, something we can't explain, something we can't fight against. Do you know what that is? That is the work of Jesus Christ advancing. And the adventure continues. Would you begin to let the Lord do in your life what he wants to do? Then would you claim your family? And then by God's grace, would you say, Lord, let us take this city for Christ? Why don't you claim your Philippi? Why don't you pray that God would do something so mighty in your family, he could only work in you, he could work through you, and your family could touch your town. Uh, your, Your family could make a difference right where you are. This is the way it starts. By the way, this is not the, where it ends because we know the church at Philippi would grow. And Paul would write one of his most beautiful letters about Christian joy back to them, the book of Philippians. I say to you, there's no telling what God could set in motion if we would simply let the Lord do in us what he wants to do in us, a man, a family, and a city for the glory of God. Though no more scripture is being written, The story of the furtherance of the gospel is being written at this very moment, and we get to be part of that story. The heart of our Savior is as passionate for the lost today as it was just before he ascended in Acts 1. Will you get in on what God is doing in the world today to reach the lost with the gospel? This is why enjoying the journey exists to encourage and to equip you in the work of the gospel. Whether it is through the daily broadcast or the many resources on our website, Scott and all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team are passionate about people coming to know Christ as Savior. We pray that you truly will enjoy the journey, but we also pray that you will bring others with you on your journey of following Christ.